Spirit of God together as well as a part of our worship this morning. And as we begin, I want to dismiss our kids and our kids crew leaders who are going to head upstairs for kids crew. And while they're going, I want to encourage you to turn in your Bible to John chapter 11. This year in the season of Advent, we are in a, the midst of a sermon series that we've entitled Come and See because what we're doing is we're studying three different occasions in the book of John where we see this phrase, this, this encouragement, come and see. Come and see is an invitation, is it not? It's an invitation for us to come and see what the Lord has done. Now, we get invitations to a lot of things. You'll get an invitation in the mail, and what do you typically do with the invitation that comes in the mail? If you're anything like us at our house, we end up posting those invitations on the fridge, or really, for us, it's more like on the side of the fridge because of where the fridge sits in our kitchen. And so we have magnets, and, and we pin up the invitations to different things, and then it becomes somebody's job like, hey, get this on the calendar. We share a family calendar that everybody in our family has access to on their phone, and, and the, you know, it's somebody's job. Get that on the calendar so that we know that it's coming. If there's an RSVP that's needed, let's take care of that, right? But we, we, we send and, and we give invitations and we receive those invitations so that we so that we know there are key things there are key moments key key points along the way we'll come and see as we study is really an invitation but an invitation to what well it's an invitation for us to see that Jesus Christ gave himself for us that Christ came into the world to to demonstrate his love for us that Christ proves to us over and over how much he loves us by inviting us to participate with him. And so a few weeks ago, we saw Jesus calling some of his disciples, and as he was inviting them to follow him, there's the invitation, come and see, come and join me. Last week, we saw the story of the woman at the well, the woman who was at Jacob's well, and Jesus meets the woman at the well as she's come in the middle part of the day to gather water, and he shares with her about the living water, that he has living water to give her, that she might drink and never thirst again. And this same woman left the, the encounter with Jesus and went into the nearby village where there were people and said, come and see this man who told me everything that I've ever done. And others came with her. And because of her testimony and because of the word of Jesus, as they listened to Jesus and spent time with him, they too believed. It was an invitation to believe, an invitation to, to know Jesus by faith. And this morning we'll see in the story of Lazarus, again, an invitation for us to behold God in all of his power, his might, and his glory. Now, I'm going to move quickly through the story of Lazarus as we read through it this morning. There's a lot of ground to cover here, and I don't just want to tell it like a story. I want to read it from the Bible because I want us together to dig into the Scripture. And I want us to see this because this isn't, again, the Bible isn't just a story. This is, this is God's Word to us, and it's telling us of stories, yes, telling us of events. But these events are told in such a way, they're carefully given to us so that we might know Jesus by faith. And the Gospels make no qualms about that. They, they state that plainly. John even says it quite explicitly in the Gospel of John, the very last verse of the 20th chapter. John says plainly to us that these things we've told you, that you may have faith in Jesus. And so let's read together this morning the story of Lazarus. You may well know the story of Lazarus. 
But what I want us to see, particularly as we see the invitation to come and see in the story of Lazarus, I want us to see together the invitation for us to know God by faith and the invitation to us to be united with him in such a way that we can know that he knows our struggle. He knows our weakness. He knows our need. He knows our pain. And he provides comfort and peace for all of those things along with salvation, the resurrection power of Jesus alive in us through faith. John 11, now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. These were all people that Jesus knew well. Verse 2, it was Mary who was anointed, who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. If anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. And after saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. And the disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. And now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. And so Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us go also, that we may die with him. And now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus was already, had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house, and Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. And when she said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and he's calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. And now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said to him, see how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? And Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. And it was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he's been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. What an, incredible, what an incredible picture this is into the power of God, the power over, over death, the power of God to raise a dead man from the grave, the power that he has, but not only his incredible power, but his love and his care and his concern. We see in this passage the, the, the intimate way that Jesus loved each of the sisters and Lazarus as well, and how he encounters them in the midst of their grief, in the midst of their sorrow, and he speaks to them in a way that that meets them in that place so that they might know. But not only do we see his love, not only do we see his power, we see in this passage God's perfect timing in all things that Jesus knew exactly what he was doing, which causes us to question, well, if Jesus knew, then why did these things play out that way? Why do we, why did Jesus weep? If Jesus knew what he was about to do, if he knew the timing of these things, then why did Jesus weep? Those are all questions and things that we'll see as we walk through this passage of Scripture together this morning. In fact, three key lessons that really are in reverse of the way that I've just given them to you, that I want us to see together as we walk through the text this morning. The first is when we trust in Jesus by faith, we can wait on his timing. That we wait on his timing. Do you see the Lord's timing at work in this story. So the news comes to Jesus that Lazarus has grown ill. Jesus knows exactly what's taking place. He knows what, what, what is happening, and he has a plan. Even in all of this, he knows the fullness of time. He sees what others don't see. He understands the events that are unfolding in a way that others don't understand. And even the context of what Jesus says to his disciples tells us as much. We see that Jesus understood these things so that in these verses, as he says to his disciples, for example, that Lazarus has fallen asleep. The disciples thought that Jesus meant literally that Lazarus was sick, but he'd laid down to rest. But they understood later, and so John tells us even as sort of a contextual piece of of the story here, that Jesus was speaking of 
the time that Jesus was speaking of, the fact that Lazarus had died. And yet, Jesus waited. If Jesus knew that Lazarus was going to die, why did Jesus not go immediately to Mary and Martha to be with Lazarus when he received the news? Why did he delay by a number of days? Well, Jesus tells us as much. He tells us that it was for our sake, for the sake of his disciples, so that they might believe in order that they might believe. You see, God has orchestrated all of the things in this story. And, and really, what we, what we learn from this and the other stories in the Gospels is that God has orchestrated and arranged the events in our lives to demonstrate His power, His love, but also so that we might believe. Why is it that we see the power of God? Why is it that we experience His love? So that we might believe because God's timing is perfect and right in all things the Lord has never been late for anything and for some of us that's hard to believe because some of you are late to everything right you're late to everything no matter what you do and some of us we're always early some of us believe that if you show up on time then you're already late right any any other type A's in the room that you got to be early to everything and our timing is such that we want to be in control and we want to control when things happen and how things, and, and we want to dictate those events. But one of the things that we have to acknowledge in life is that, that control is really an illusion of sorts because we lack the power to do the things that we want to do. We lack the agency and the ability to carry out all of our desires, all of our wishes, all of our wants. And yet in his power, God can do all of that and more. The Lord must only speak a word. It doesn't even, frankly, require that. The Lord just orchestrates things according to His perfect knowledge. And His timing is always right. And someone this morning needs to hear that lesson, needs to hear that. Someone in the room this morning, I have no doubt, needs to be, needs to be challenged, needs to be reminded to wait on God's timing because His timing is always right. And you may think, well, Lord, if you had only been here sooner. God, if you had only done this sooner. Lord, if you had only... And what was Jesus' response to the sisters? I'm glad, that, I'm, I'm glad that you bring this up effectively, he says. I'm glad that you mentioned that. Because I want to show you something important. And in our lives, God will do the same. Because his timing is right. And we need to wait on his perfect timing knowing that the Lord sees what we can't see and he knows what we can't possibly know. But not only does he see, not only does he know, he has a plan and his plans are good. And so the second lesson that we learn from the story of Lazarus is that we're to trust in his goodness. Because we wait on the Lord's perfect timing, we can also trust in his goodness in all things. That in all things, as we saw this year in our study through the book of Romans, in all things, God is working together for good for those that love Him and who are called according to His purpose. That God is orchestrating and arranging and conducting the events, the seasons, the moments, the days, the years, the decades, the times of our life in such a way that we might see His glory, 
that we might behold his goodness. The problem for many of us is simply that we question God's goodness when things don't go the way that we want. When the Lord doesn't want what we want when we want, when He doesn't act, when He doesn't move, when He doesn't heal, when He doesn't provide, when He doesn't fill in the blank, then we begin to question God's goodness. But what we see in the Scripture and what we learn from the story of Jesus, and more than that, what the very testimony the, and, and, and the experience, the witness of our lives proves to us again and again is that God is good. And in His goodness, we can trust Him. Jesus wants us to experience His love. He wants us to experience His power. He wants us to see and believe. In fact, in verse 34 we see the the simple invitation. Where have you laid him, Jesus said. And they said, Lord, come and see. And then in the next verse, verse 35, these powerful words, Jesus wept. Now, you may know the words, Jesus wept, because Jesus wept is often hailed as the shortest verse in the Bible. And it is actually in the English language. There's actually a shorter verse in the Greek, in the original languages. But in the English language, Jesus wept is the shortest verse in the Bible. And so it gets a lot of attention. We, many of us know that. Jesus wept. Yeah, it's a short verse. But here's the real question to consider. Why did Jesus weep? Because if Jesus already knew what was going to happen, if Jesus delayed his trip to the place where Mary and Martha were, in order that they might see his power. And if he knew that the moment had come for him to display his power, which we understand through his interaction with both Martha and Mary, if Jesus knew that he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead, then why did he weep? Was he upset somehow? Was he, was, was he, was he angry? Were these tears of anger? Were these tears of, of sadness, of sorrow? Was he just moved in his spirit because of death? Well, I suppose there's a lot of things we could ask. And, and to be fair, the Scripture does not tell us explicitly, so we're left to our own in studying the Scripture and understanding what the Bible teaches. But I want to I share with you a key verse that I actually think helps us to interpret John chapter 11, verse 35. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, the writer of Hebrews shares this with us. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And then in the next verse, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I believe the reason that Jesus wept here was because Jesus understood what the death of Lazarus represented. That the death of Lazarus really was indicative that the death that we all die. And it was over the brokenness and the sin and the, and, and the suffering in this world that Jesus wept, that he shed these tears. And it's from this moment, moved by the very heart, the compassion, the love of God, that we understand that we have a Savior 
who knows our weaknesses. He knows our suffering. He knows our sorrows. He knows what it is to experience the pain, the trial of this life. And yet, praise God, He's sovereign over all of it. He's powerful over all of it. And He's good. And He's good. And so we can trust in His goodness, knowing that from His compassion, we will see His glory displayed. The third lesson that we learn in the story of Lazarus, as we think about how we are to respond in moments like this, we're to to wait on His timing, we're to trust in His goodness, but also we're to believe in His power. To believe in His power. Jesus said to, to Martha, He said, Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asked, do you believe this? Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And I suppose that's really the question for us, isn't it? When we read the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. So often we make the emphasis on the great miracle that Jesus performed. And yes, the miracle is an important part of the story. But the real heart of the story is this simple question Do you believe? Do you believe? Because it's through belief in Jesus as the Son of God the Messiah, the anointed one, the chosen one of God who came to offer himself as the sacrifice for us, for our sin. It is through belief in Jesus that we too can experience his resurrection power. Jesus said the verse just before that, I am the resurrection and the life. It's through trusting in this same Jesus, the resurrection and the life, through believing in him by faith, that we we too may experience this power of eternal life through faith in the risen Lord. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead because Jesus has power. In the hand of God, death is, is nothing. Death is just simply uh, just, just a comma, not a full stop. It's, death is, 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 is just a moment. It's an event that the Lord can overcome with but what a word. And Jesus proves that here in our lives. I suppose, wouldn't it be incredible if Jesus would bring back loved ones from the dead, if he would raise the... But the Lord did that with Lazarus. He's not done it again and again and again because it's not the pattern. Because even in death we find the rhythm of life. Even in death, we find sort of the, the, the ritual longing for eternal life. And it's in that that we cast our hope. Not in, not in death itself, no, but in the one who gives us eternal life. The one who conquered sin and death on our behalf so that through faith in him, we too may experience the resurrection and the life. I wonder this morning, has there ever been a moment, a time in your life when you have trusted Jesus by faith? 
when you have experienced. In fact, if I were to pose this same simple question to you this morning, how would you answer? Do you believe? Do you believe? Have you come to the place in your life through faith, by believing in Jesus, that you have yielded yourself, that you have submitted yourself to him and called on him as Savior and Lord? Do you believe? This morning, I hope that you can answer that question in the affirmative. Yes, I believe. Yes, I have trusted Jesus by faith. But perhaps for some, if you were to be honest, the answer is no. No, I, I, don't, I don't think I have. Or, or perhaps I'm uncertain. I'm uncertain. I, I, have, I don't know. I have questions. I, it, then can I encourage you? You can make today the day that you would know for certain that you have trusted Jesus by faith. The same Jesus that our choir has sung about. The same Jesus that the scripture points us to. That you can know him by faith so that you too may experience Jesus as the resurrection and the life. Come and see this one who has given himself for you. That you may find freedom and life. And so in a moment, we're going to sing a song together. And as we sing that song together, we, we want to extend to you the invitation. I started out talking about invitations, right? Because the, the words come and see are an invitation. Well, this morning our, our message ends with an invitation of sorts as well. It's an invitation to respond by faith this morning, by placing your faith, your trust in Jesus, calling on him as Lord and Savior. And so in a moment, as we're singing this song together, our staff will be here at the front, ready to receive you. And if today you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus by faith, then just come. Just take them by the hand and say, I'm ready to trust Jesus. I'm ready to believe. And let us walk you through a simple prayer of faith that you may surrender your heart and your life to Jesus, the one who truly is the resurrection and the life. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me this morning? I want to lead us in a word of prayer. And even as I lead us in this prayer in this moment, I encourage you to consider the simple question that we've posed already. Do you believe? Do you believe? Are you ready to trust him this morning by faith? Let's pray together. Lord, we're so grateful for all that you've done, all that we might sing about, all that we might celebrate. And so now, Lord, as we trust in you, we pray for your movement in our hearts and our lives. Lord, speak to us all. And if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you by faith, I pray that this would be the moment that they would surrender their life to you. This would be the moment when they experience that resurrection power that John tells us of here in telling the story of Lazarus. The same resurrection power that Jesus promised would be given to those who believe in him. So Jesus, move in our hearts by faith today as we sing.